hey, welcome on in. It's your boy KV coming at you from my Saints and Center studio right here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am welcoming you to another episode of the Ken Valdez Approach. I'm a bit under the weather this week, so I didn't play any music on the show. Sorry about that, um, but I think that we're going to be okay, as you'll probably hear. Uh, my guest this week, one guy I've known for 20 years, I think is what we figured out, and his wife. I am getting to know her as well, and she is an absolute sweetheart. I'm talking about my buddy Shane Henry and his wife Maggie McClure. Together, they have an amazing duo group called The Imaginaries. They just released a brand new record, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is quite possibly my favorite release of the year thus far. It is so good. There's something for everybody, and I'm sure that you guys are going to really enjoy this. they got a great story. So let's just get right on into this, everybody, with The Imaginaries. All right. I have some amazing, amazing, amazing guests. One guy I've known, I think I figured it out. It's like we're coming up on, on, on 20 years of knowing each other, which is crazy. Ah. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and bring them up. We're going to go ahead and just get this thing started. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we got Mr. Shane Henry. We got Miss Maggie McClure. Together, they are known as the Wonder Twins. No. <laughs> the Imaginaries. The Imaginaries, people. Yes. Hey, what's happening? How's it Hi. going, man? Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. How you got? Man, you guys look all snazzy with your red velvet happening. <laughs> red velvet curtain. Man, I'll tell you what, dude. We are we've been putting ourselves through some uh, some pains of learning how to stream concerts and whatnot. And we're just getting our tech all up over here. So mm. Yeah, man. It's been, true. You know, I've been texting you. You know, so. Oh this, yeah, no, dude. And I get it. I get it. I mean, this is kind of the new normal, which is it is just kind of weird. You yeah. know. It Kinda is. Weird. Well, Maggie and I were in a studio space that had horrible internet connections, so the only way that we could actually go live was through a cell phone up until a few weeks ago when we moved into this new space. So now we're, like, super high-tech because we have nice. fiber internet. So it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. What have you guys been up to? How's uh, how's life uh, in, in this craziness, in, in this COVID era? We've been good. I mean, life's been crazy, just like it has been for everyone. We've managed to stay well, which is, we're so grateful for that. And um, we, of course, had this album ready to go for a little while, and we just released it on Friday. And, um, you know, it's been a really exciting week. It yeah, has. It has. You know what's so cool is I remember, Ken, when I moved to Minneapolis, because you just, you just had said... And I was going to try to blow your mind with it, but you already figured it out. Like, it's 20 years this August that we met. It's just crazy. Um, and, you know, it's amazing, too, that I was only nine years old when I moved to Minneapolis. Can you believe that? I was 29 in August. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, it's just crazy that, it, that 20 years could go by that, fa that fast. And it's but, gone but by fast. It has, man. Yeah, but, it um, feels like yesterday. It really does. And, and some of the best absolute best years of, of my life and of course that era was just so great but um, but it, you know it's funny because Maggie's talking about the new album that came out we recorded this album in Muscle Shoals Alabama and I remember you were the, one of the first person that I ever remember hearing mention the word Muscle Shoals because yeah. you used to work with a guitar player that was based in the area right yeah oh yeah, yeah Wayne Perkins is, my yeah, Wayne sense Perkins, yeah. my sensei my mentor my guru my guy um that's awesome. Yeah, he's he's my guy. He was uh, one of the Swampers, who were the original, you know, cast of characters, the the right. band that was there. 
um, started out, uh, it was uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson who essentially gave Wayne his job. And, and wow. what was crazy is you got Jimmy Johnson, who is amazing, and he gives his job to Eddie Hinton, who's amazing. Right. And Eddie and Wayne come in together, and it's like these three guitar players that are just just ridiculous. And they've played on everything, man. Everything. You know? Everything, from Aretha to, like, Albert King. She caught the Katie, you know? And, and Wayne telling stories about, like, those sessions with Albert King where, like, he wanted something to eat, and he got chicken gizzards. Oh, my god! From Kentucky Fried Chicken, when they had chicken gizzards at oh KFC, gosh. and they... He, Eddie Hinton, and and uh, Albert King ate chicken gizzards Man. underneath the piano that oh was at Muscle God. Shoals. Wow. That, and they sat and, like, laid down underneath and were just digging into this bucket, eating and talking. Wow. And it was, like, one of the most amazing stories. And that's, I, all, that's incredible. When I heard that you guys were recording there, that was, like, one of those images that came into my mind <laughs> immediately. It was like, where's that piano? Yeah. yeah. Now go underneath there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was really like this crazy like happenstance. Um, back yeah. in 2017, like we have to kind of back up to get yeah. there. But you know, we moved to LA and we moved to LA officially in in late 2012, and we were there through like kind of like the end of 2016, and then we were renting an apartment that ended up getting black mold, and we had to like move <sighs> out of this place immediately. So right. we put our stuff in storage. And our good friend Devin Powers, um, who I had met through a songwriter, Jeff Silbar, and had written some stuff with Devin. And I was currently doing, like Maggie and I were doing like some cues work. Like we were recording music for some of his TV shows from our home studio. Sure. And he had just bought like a studio house. He said, well, why don't you guys just move into our, my studio house? So we did that in 2017. And like during that time that we were there, we were there for about 10 months. And then my Light in the, album, or Light in the Dark album came out that, that, uh, that I guess it was like it in was April. That yeah, it was kind of during spring, that season. Summer. It was mm-hmm. the spring summer, and then we went on tour. So we our our, our time in LA kind of ended towards the end of 2017. But um, he connected us with this guy named John Cunaberti, who was doing this thing called the One Mic series. And you know, we were kind of back and forth between LA and Oklahoma. And he said, "Hey, you guys want to come down and do the Muscle Shoals like One Mic?" And we were like, "Yeah." And I sent him, you know, my record, and, and Maggie, I sent him mine. So we, we all we just kind of sent him everything that we did, and he didn't know anything about us, and. And he goes, well, I really like you guys both. Why don't y'all just do something together? And we're like, well, we've been talking about it forever, but we didn't really know what we were doing. So yeah. that's how this all came to be. It was like sort of just crazy weird luck, you know. We had the opportunity we, and yeah. we went for it and it was an awesome experience. So that happened in like April of 2018. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was just us going down there. And literally we 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 had some phone numbers of musicians in the area. And we, we had two guitar players, Will McFarlane and... Um, uh, Kelvin Holly and and I think we may have called Will first and he recommended that's Kelvin right and because he was booked on a session and if you look up Will he played with Bonnie Raitt and just everybody he's an incredible sure. musician and so we connected with Kelvin and we called him and it's just like he's just such a laid back cool dude with this you know deep southern accent and yeah come on down you know it'll be fun and so we just showed up and he put he the put band put, together yeah, he put the band together and we like rehearsed the day of doing that and then went in the studio and made music with these musicians that were kind of like, you know, I guess maybe third generation swampers because they, they've recorded on a lot of stuff in the studios as well. And Wow. And uh, what was so cool is, you know, Maggie had talked to David Hood about being a part of our one mic series, but he went in to have back surgery. So he right. couldn't do it. So he, he passed it on to Shauna Tucker, who's incredible. But um, 
the whole experience was just like, wow, this, there is something magical about this. And people talk about Muscle Shoals having a special thing. And you get it when you go there and yeah. you see, see what it's all about. And that is one. That's, my, that's, a, that's a bucket list thing for me. You got to like, do it, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. man. Everybody there is just so friendly and just the musicianship is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a special thing that they bring to the table. And, and uh, for us, it just kind of helped us sort of solidify we need to do a project you know yeah. and it, it was so easy you know it wasn't mm-hmm. like there was a lot of pressure of us figuring it out on our own we had the we had the musicianship of all these great studio musicians and so anyways after the one mic series we were like okay we're going back and making a record so yeah. we had all these tunes that we'd written and we just showed up man and we had four days of just joyous music so making fun. And it was fun yeah. man. It was like so you guys knocked that out in four days we knocked out all the tracking really we had four <laughs> days booked and we we actually the one mic was done at the Muscle Shoals uh, Sound Studio, which is the Jackson Highway right, right. original original Swamper Studio. Uh, when we went back to record, we did that at the studio. It was actually Portside called... Portside Sound. Yeah, Portside sure. Sound. Inside Cypress Moon Studios. Not to, not to be confusing, Cypress Moon is the building that when they moved the studio in the, like, I don't know, it was the 70s, they needed a bigger space. They moved from Jackson Highway to the river. So that is, again, the second generation uh, Muscle Shoals sound studios so mm-hmm. unbelievable man recorded it there and i mean it was awesome man it was just like the songs just flew together um it was really kind of our first experience i think in all these years of really doing a true cut it live i mean everything was, everything was playing at the same everybody's playing at the same time wow you know? and even my you know the record i did with double trouble wasn't really done that way it right, was done right. in a home studio and it was a, an overdub process this was a let's get it right the first time process, yeah. and it was cool because it's just so much more vibe happens when you do it that way. And of course, we had isolation on the guitar cabs, the and drums, drums, and you know went back in and did little overdubs with vocals and acoustic guitars, things like that. But the meat and potatoes of this record was all recorded live, and it was just such a freaking fun process. Yeah, Man, it was. Awesome. It was. So. We flew out our drummer Rob Humphreys from L.A. And everybody else was Muscle Shoals musicians. Yep, everybody else was That's Muscle fantastic. Shoals. Um, and then we came back to Oklahoma after with all these sessions, and we're like, okay, you know, what? Well, let's dive in here. And we took our time, you know, just going through everything and deciding if anything deciding else needed to be added. Best, yeah, and, and all that stuff. And we worked with um, our friend Chad Copeland. He's an amazing producer, just on just some, you know, final. Primarily, it was just like keys. helping us with the, some editing things and mm-hmm. some overdub things, and just really tidying it up. I think. Yeah, and, and you had you had Dan play keys. Yeah, my buddy Dan Walker, who's originally from Oklahoma, now plays with Heart, and really fantastic. Yeah, fantastic keyboard player. He started with um, with Nance. Uh, no, not Nancy. Anne. Uh, Anne. Anne Wilson sure. started touring her and doing her solo stuff, and I think this last year or two well before covid hit he did a tour with heart which was incredible and he is just that would have been the tour that we that we had seen yeah Yeah, so you saw dan on keys yeah that was our buddy dan so dan played unbelievable um i don't know our luck was so bad but like when we were at the studio the leslie broke the day one so all of the organ tracks like here we are making this like organic record at muscle shoals and the organ tracks are like ignored you know what i mean Uh, and i mean it's like everything sounded and the parts were great but it was just like that we got to have that authentic sound yeah. so we just sent the tracks to our friend dan had him play it and he sent them back to us and it was great just nailed so, it yeah, love nailed it. it well let's let's hear some tunes man let's hear yeah. a song off the new one if you if you don't mind you want us to start off with a revival sure here we go everybody this is the imaginaries check it out shane henry maggie mcclure this is awesome i'm so happy they're here 
Thank you Enjoy. for having Yeah. 
Wow. Wow. Right on. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all, man. So I'm just going to be straight. I'm going to be completely straight. I'm going to tell you this right now. I listened to your record, and I didn't like it. Really? <laughs> I loved it. Oh. oh. I... Ruffles. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> Did it work? You guys had the moment of... I know, we're like, oh. That was so great, man. That was just awesome. <laughs> what so What did we say to that? <laughs> no, man, but for real, it's, I loved it. I, like, I, and, and you know, you. I, we've known each other a while, and, 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 you know, I love what you do anyways, but it's like, this record has something for everybody, yeah, which is really does. awesome. But, is and I was thinking about this today, man. I was thinking about this today. I was like, if I wanted to go if like it the whole record reminded me of like going back out on the road and yeah. having something like great like road music right mm-hmm. go and you throw it on and it's like the best road music i thought about like you know just having a get together a barbecue or like even just like a dinner party or something everybody's yeah. gonna be all right with that sure if man. i just want to sit down and really absorb what's going on you know and and, and just listen because there's great musicianship and there's great songs and there's great tones and the sounds are fantastic. I would throw this on. Like, you guys did an amazing job. This is such a great record. Thank you. Thank you. Through and through, every song, solid, bam. Well, you know. Thank you. We've, this isn't our first rodeo with it, but I'll tell you what, the one thing we realized whenever we knew that we were going to do a project together that was going to be real easy for it to be, like, cheesy and phoned in. Mm Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make sure that the songs were real songs. You know what I mean? This wasn't just like a hey, let's go do a co-write. We need we need a song that sounds like this for the record. And that's why it's taken a little bit of time for us to develop this and the brand, the, the brand sound. and everything. And the, yeah. this, we had about thirty tunes in the in the in the pile for this record. And the songs that we chose were songs that were real stories of things that really were resonating with us and mm-hmm. hoping that you know if our songs were real and we were feeling them and that there there would be sort of an on authenticity about the project that other people might feel it as well so thank yeah. you for saying that thank no, you no and very i, I mean i'm being i'm being absolutely 100% totally sincere like i'm not just saying that i i can't stop listening to it and yeah. i think you. one of those things that kind of catches my attention is you guys have a song you know just like that one revival and it's it's very blues based and it, it it lends to that gospel side and it lends to that, you know, to, to your blues rock, you know, side, Shane. And, right. And I love that. But then you go from that to something very almost pop, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's there's turns where it goes to like, you know, like a country kind of thing. And Maggie's voice, your voices together are fantastic. Thank they they you. work very well together. But it's, you know, what's what I find really great about it, too, is is. Um, you guys have this contrast, in mm-hmm. a sense. Totally, like you I'm know? so gritty and bluesy, and she's super clean, and like our voices shouldn't work together, but they, they do. do. They somehow. do. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like it's it's such a it's because we're if you listen to our solo records, it's like we're we're as opposite as it gets, and I think that's one of the things that we always laugh about because even like as personalities and stuff, we're a total classic case of opposites attract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh man. But it works. It works. And I think a lot of that, too, is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that back in, man, 2008-ish to, like, 2012, there was about a four-year period there 
where Maggie and I got into doing like the college touring scene, you know, and there was still like you could play the NACA circuits and like get into playing in colleges or whatever. And there was, right. you know, you could do that and make some good money and it could like sort of like you could build a tour out of it. And anyways, we did that for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And through that period of time, I would go out and play guitar with her. And like, you know, I, I, up until that point, I mean, I've always been a solo artist, always done my own thing, never really been a side man. Uh, other than like you know picking up a gig here and there and helping friends out, but, right. but you know the idea of singing harmony has never been something that was like a natural thing to me. Like I didn't grow up in church doing it like Maggie did, and so you know back in '08 and I start playing with her live. Yeah. You know, hey, can you sing this harmony part? And it would just be like it would take so much work, but I would get it. You know, and it just this I think just the repetition of us playing together, mm-hmm. sort of as sideman for each other's project, as just an acoustic duo. We were doing that for a long time before yeah. this kind right. of became a thing. I think that really kind of helps helped us make this feel so much more natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we'd done it so much. It's just that, you know. Yeah, there's well, no substitute for playing hundreds and, you know, maybe even a thousand shows together. Right. There's no substitute for that. Yeah, for so. sure. For right. Sure. And I mean, I just love how the, the lines are blurred when yep. it comes mm-hmm. down to genre. Yeah. Like, it's like you guys take all the rules and you throw them out the window <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just you guys. What what I love is that you guys seem to, and and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys seem to be, um, not just playing to each other's strengths, but creating something very unique because of who you guys are. Yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, like, Thank honestly, you. like, we do have a perfect match in that regard. Like, our strength sets are so different. Like, where I am strong, which is like working in the studio, producing Pro Tools, technical things, you know, the recording sessions, like Maggie's strengths are helping with the management side of things. Uh, She's a music theory nut, so that always comes in handy when we're (laughs) writing and recording, you know. Things that, like, and we just really complement each other in that regard, you know, and uh, obviously the harmony stuff. You're so good at coming up with harmony parts. Thank you. Shane can solo great. Mm-hmm. You know, we I, each I, have can, our I can play the minor pentatonic scale just <laughs> with, the, with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in that blues note every once in a while. There you go. There you go. But yeah, thank you for saying that. Somebody last week um, in a publication said something about how they really enjoyed our solo projects, but this one was, it just brought it up to an, a new level that probably would not have existed if it weren't for this band and this project. And you know, it's funny because we're not trying to blur any lines. We're just being honest and writing and recording and putting music out that we love and, and that means a lot to us. And so it just t- you know turned out that we are blurring the lines. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> interesting because like two of the tracks on the record, Geronimo and uh, Enough of You, were kind of like bluesy riffs that I kind of had in my back pocket that I was thinking about using for my next project, you know. And I played that riff for Geronimo a hundred times and just never really came up with words and stuff for it. And just one day I was playing it at the studio and says, why don't we just write a song and see what, what comes up of it? And it turned out super cool. Um, totally not a song you would have ever written on your own and probably no. not a song I would have written by myself either. It kind of ended up yeah. pulling it into where it's, you know, it's a story, but it's also like, you know, it's not total blues rock. You right. know what I mean? And then Enough of You, same thing, you know. Yeah. It was a guitar riff kind of song and we went for it. Yeah, well, I'm so so happy with the song choices on this album. You guys want to do one more here? Why not? Let's yeah, go. yeah. Everybody, this oh. is the Imaginaries. Check it out. Let's do walking on the water. I'm sorry, I'm tuning, guys. This is just to make me sound a little bit better. Here we go. We're gonna play walking on a wire for you guys. 
There's that blue note. Getting fancy. <laughs> I love that song. I love that song. Thank you. Yeah. So, Maggie. Yeah. Tell me about your background. 
Like, where do you come from? Who are your influences? That whole that whole thing. Sure. Yeah. So I started really. I mean, I started piano when I was five and instantly fell in love. I was one of those strange kids that just loved to practice all the time. And when I was about eight years old, my parents got me a little karaoke machine and uh, with cassette tapes. And I immediately got hooked. And the cassette tapes had people like Bonnie Raitt on them, um, Natalie Imbruglia, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> artists like that, and um, around that time, I started writing my own songs, and it's funny, you know, when I was cleaning out um, my old uh, upstairs room where we had all of my stuff from when I was little, I would find, like, lyric sheets, and it was just amazing to me that at, like, eight years old, I was writing out on a piece of paper, verse one, lyrics, you know, chorus, bridge, <laughs> like, that's... That's just crazy to me looking back on that. But um, I really, really got into listening to music heavily when I was about 12. And my parents would take me to concerts. Um, I'm grateful for that and, and had a great music background. Like in school, we had music class. I was in choir. I was in um, voice lessons and, and percussion at school. I was in band. And just super involved with anything I could get my hands on musically. Um, so Bonnie Raitt and Sarah McLaughlin remained very strong influences in, uh, in my life and still are. And, um, you know, as I got older, I started listening to different kinds of music, but I tend, tended to lean towards female singer-songwriters who play the piano, obviously, naturally. And um, I really got into Carol King. I got yeah, into yeah. Nora Jones, Alicia Keys. Um, the list goes on and on. And uh, I was in a few different bands uh, growing up, like in middle school and high school. Like we, my first band, I actually played drums in, and we knew three songs. <laughs> and for our first gig, we just repeated those three songs for like two hours. Nice. <laughs> oh man. But um, well though, right? Yeah, but uh, I just I love all kinds of music. Um, you know, the older I got, the more I started listening to different styles. Um, the Beatles, Coldplay, Train, um, all huge influences. Um, of course, I turned you on to all my blues rock. Shane introduced stuff. me to a ton of music. You've never heard of guys like Doyle Bramhall and Ian Moore. There no. you go. Like, yeah. Who's this? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I just started shoving all that down her throat. Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm -hmm. making her listen to him. Cream, all the good stuff. Yeah. And that was the thing that, that really so she, linked Shane and I. Like yeah. that was yeah. like instantaneous. We were like, dude, yeah, Ian and, and Isn't Doyle. it so funny too? Like looking back on that time frame and like now we, we were both just such good friends with them. And it's like so weird that, you know, and even back then, you know, I was I was totally into uh, the brand new Immortals and, mm -hmm. and listening to David Ryan Harris and kind of knew about him and and then, you know, fast forward years later, it's funny how things work out. You get to work on a record with people that you've you've just, you know, idolized what they do. I mean, you're, I don't right. idolize, but just really appreciate mm -hmm. their music, you know, and, and they've had an a strong influence on you. So it's really cool. Yeah. Small world. See that little circle come around, you know. Yeah. And I was going to add too, like indirectly, I also think I was really influenced by what we call oldies. Um, like yeah. 1950s, 60s okay. music. Absolutely. Um, my dad used to play... KOMA 
the oldie station here in Oklahoma, like, constantly. And so I got hooked on, like, even the Beach Boys at an early age. Um, so Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley. <laughs> that's I mean, my, that's my dad's favorite. Sam Cooke, you know? Yeah, Sam Cooke, yeah. The Sam Cooke is my guy. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I love that music. And my dad also would play, like, Vince Gill around the house, too. And even sure. though I didn't really grow up loving country music, what we, you know, like modern country. Right. Um, people like Vince Gill, um, I, I always appreciated Allison it. And now, Krause, you know. and now I love Alison Krauss. Gosh, she's great. Dolly Parton. So great. And yeah. I hear a lot of Dolly in your voice on this record in a good way. And I mean that with the utmost respect, you know. That's really cool. And it, I honestly have never tried to sing like her. Um, and it's funny, my dad is the first one who pointed that out to me like maybe five years ago. Well, yeah, I think you were doing like some. You were actually covering one of her songs. Well, I covered one because he told oh, me yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, you know, you really sound like kind of like Dolly Parton. Maybe you yeah. should cover one of her songs. So I, I did, and then I was like, man, I do like. On this that's record, interesting. It, yeah, on this record, it's it's so it's so prominent, and I I love it. I love listening to it. Um, before we get into another tune, what did you do? How did you how did you, uh, oh, make your way in this business? Yeah, well, I recorded my first, what I call my first real album before the one that I did in, I mean, after the one I did in high school that was just kind of thrown together. But I did my first real album in Dallas in 2006. Mm -hmm. And I was a, a freshman in college studying music. And um, it was a great experience. I worked with Will Hunt in Dallas, Texas, and made a 10-song record. And... Um, Shane played guitar on a couple of the songs, but I after, really actually kind of pushed yeah, you he, he kind of pushed me to do it and helped introduce me to Will. Um, I'm not sure, I'm sure I would have made a record, but I don't know if I would have done it there. Probably not. I wouldn't have known about it because yeah. your drummer at the time told me about sure. him. Things happen like they do for a reason. Right. Yes, they do. So I made this album and put it out and literally like immediately songs started getting placed on different tv shows like crazy and i was like wow this must be how it happens you know what shows what shows if you don't mind me so asking. like at that time shows like the real world saint thomas the hills you know these mtv reality but, I mean, they shows weren't, like, huge placements but you were getting like some of them were. You were getting like 500 to 2000 a placement on those yeah and, and some of them were big and they would put my name across yep. the bottom when and that my was song like, would that play. Was at a, and I remember that was like a time like where if you got your name on a credit, like she would get like tons of downloads, twenty five hundred downloads of that song. Yeah, it's crazy. And it was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, and the Young and the Restless. They <laughs> used oh, right a lot on. of that you album. Were, yeah, grandma. Very was dramatic. Proud of, grandma was proud of you for that. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of started with that, and then I got a distribution deal on that record in Japan, of all places. Wow. And that was amazing. I never got to go over there. I really would like to. It was so funny because there was a manager that approached you from that, from Singapore, and he wanted you to come move to freaking Singapore and yeah. live there for a couple <laughs> years. I was like, I don't know about that. It was so funny because like we were, I, we were we were engaged. Yeah, we were engaged. We weren't married yet. He was like, yeah, Shane can come visit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't like the way this sounds yeah. at all. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll pass on that. Oh, that's pass great. On that. But yeah, I graduated from college in 2009, and literally right after that, we got, I got a booking agent, um, and that's when we started doing all the college tours, and it all just happened really, really, really fast, and 
I continued to make records. I, I recorded my next one in Nashville, the one after that in LA, the one after that all around. Um, yeah. And have had lots of uh, blessings of placements with these songs, which is just huge and very grateful for that. And so, I mean, I really became, I mean, I, I was playing shows and getting paid starting when I was 15, kind of like Shane. Um, but, you know, once I graduated high school and then graduated college, that freed me up to actually like really tour. That's great. You kind of know my story, Kim, but I'll tell. Oh, oh yeah. I'll tell for everybody out there. I mean, I pretty much got into music right around the age of twelve. Um, that, like, I want to say the summer of me turning twelve. Like, my birthday's in January, so that that following summer, um, I got to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, which was a huge show for me. It was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with Taj Mahal opening. Um, one of the first rock concerts I ever went to, and it was just like, whoa, what is this? You know, it was just so incredible. And, um, you know, of course, I grew up in a very musical family. My dad was a guitar player, played in cover bands, but never really pursued it professionally. Um, so, the, But there was always great music playing, man. I mean, I was probably the only 12-year-old kid who knew in Little Verdon, Oklahoma, that knew who Steely Dan was. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I had, I was lucky because I was blessed with parents that had a very wide palette of, of musical, ta- you know, influences and, and music that they liked to listen to. And, and you didn't have music in school. I didn't have music in school, but, I mean, I would... You know, Stevie Wonder records would be playing, Sam Cooke records would be playing, Buddy Guy would be playing. Um, you know, the Beatles were playing, and my dad had a gigantic record collection, so it was always picking a record out and looking at it and checking out and just sort of getting immersed in music during that time. And it was very like, you know, growing up in a small town, living out in the country. This is pre-internet days, and so I just kind of got lost in it, you know, and, and loved it. And you know, started begging my parents for guitar that that summer of my of, of being of turn twelve. You know, um, I got to see BB King at the B- uh, Tulsa Blues Festival. To see BB King, Buddy Guy, and Bonnie Raitt, and I think I caught we caught just the end of uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd playing, which was really cool. Seeing somebody that was kind of young doing the doing the blues rock thing, and it was like, wow, you know, I want a guitar, and so that kind of set me on my path to to really getting into the blues, and um, just got a guitar and started coming home from school and just practicing and just really kind of self-taught to be honest I started reading tab books and like trying to transcribe you know tabs from from guitar players and listening to records and started taking some lessons you know but but really kind of just picked it up quickly and and by the time I was 16 I was playing gigs and and I would have like every weekend booked from the time I was like 16 to 18 from like my sophomore year to senior year I was playing like every weekend it was like my goal would be to have a Friday Saturday gig every weekend you know and my parents were super supportive and, you know, I was playing all over the area and starting to play blues festivals and stuff. And, and somehow I got in touch with, I don't even remember how it happened, but, but James Klein and Mickey Nord found out about me from Blue Sky Artist Management in Minneapolis. And they came down, flew down to Oklahoma to hear me play. And the next thing I knew, you know, I was, gradu- was graduating high school early and I moved to Minneapolis. And that's kind of where we connected. And, yeah, man. and uh, you know, of course, I was 18 then and, and I lived in the Twin Cities for about three years and uh during that time you know playing all the gigs around town getting a band together and and in the in the process i was working with a songwriter named kevin bow and i think that's kind of how i got connected with james and mickey was through kevin and uh we were working on a little four song ep i'd already put out my first debut album which came out when i was 17 and uh, we were working on that and you know just starting to figure out how to be a real musician you know i hadn't really 
got to play with the caliber of musicians that I were, was getting to work with in Minneapolis. And yeah, and, and it's crazy out here. You know, it that. is crazy, man. It's crazy. I mean, Minneapolis is such of a more of a music city than Oklahoma City ever will be, or you know, and sort of. I mean, not to downplay Oklahoma City's music scene, but there was just a, a really great caliber of musicianship there that I had not experienced. And the other thing that was cool was I was getting to work with musicians that were closer to my age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody that I was playing with, that you know, in my band in Oklahoma was much older than me, at least twice my age, if not older. You know. And uh, just moved to Minneapolis, started started playing around on the scene, and that went on for I would say like gosh maybe a year and a half, and I didn't really know where things were going other than I was trying to make it, you know. And and at that time it was still like, you know, it was still like the whole record deal like way right. of getting into the into the business, and and I'll just never forget like I was kind of feeling like you know it was just it was a grind because I had like a day job that I hated and was playing gigs, had a weekly gig at Bunkers, you know, and right. was doing as much as I could to figure it out and, and try to make something happen. And I'll never forget one day, Mickey called me and she was like, uh, we got some great news. Uh, we got you on tour opening for BB King. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. I was downstairs at Bunkers and I remember Toby Marshall was trying to get me to eat a weed brownie at that time. In <laughs> and I, I wouldn't do it because I was such a goody two shoes, man. I, I was like so freaking, I was so freaking like straight on the air. I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't going to drink. I wasn't doing any drugs. Like I'm focusing on being a great musician and guitar player. Right. And, uh, and you know, and so uh, I'll never forget. She called and like, I got off the phone. I'm like, what happened? I was like, dude freaking going on tour opening for bb king and they're like what you know and it was just like super exciting and that's awesome man. so that happened when i was that happened that was in 2002 that happened and you know it was just it just completely was the most incredible experience that i've ever i mean even to this day I don't, i've never had a a touring experience like it we almost got one but we didn't get it uh, but I remember maybe that'll be coming in the in the in the following year i'm hope i'm hoping cuz i remember this one and this is we'll, we'll a, get that, it, we'll that get into that one. in a little bit but but it just was like this crazy thing, man. And, and I wasn't ready for that tour at that time. But how, do you, how, how are you ever going to get ready for like a tour of that caliber? You just go do it, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm sure totally that it taught awesome, you a ton. Man. I'm sure it taught you so much. It taught me so much. I mean, every night I, it, it, we were the first artist and there was three other like seasoned artists and those all changed. But through the course of the tour, it was Buddy Guy. It was Johnny Lang. It was George Thorogood. Uh, it was Kenny Wayne Shepherd. It was uh, um, a couple of shows with... Um, Oh my gosh! A uh, couple of other just legendary, legendary artists. I'm, it's just not coming to mind at the moment. But anyways, it was just an incredible experience. I came off that tour, man, and I was just so like pumped, you know. And I kid you not, get back to Minneapolis, and <laughs> I had to quit my job to go on that tour. I was gone for like a course of two or three months. Right, right. Get back from that tour, and I go in to meet with my manager, and they're like, "Well." How, you know, the tour was awesome, you know, but we pretty much just broke even. And I'm like, we broke even? We didn't we didn't make any money? No, we pretty much, after merch and everything, you know, all the costs and expenses, we broke even. I didn't have the money to pay my rent. And I was living with a, I had a roommate with, you know, and I was, I was just so broke. And so I basically remember getting back from the last leg of the tour, which was playing the Hollywood Bowl. It was one of the last shows on the tour. I'm not kidding you, dude. In a week's time, I went from back to Minneapolis, couldn't pay my rent, loaded all my stuff up in my van and moved back to Oklahoma. Um, And I remember I was like that following week, I was helping my dad, who's a plumber, which is, you know, that's a great job. You know, somebody's got to do that job. And, you know, he got into it because my grandfather did it. And, and I just remember being like, 
like so crushed because I was like working with my dad doing plumbing and here I had just gotten this opportunity opening for BB King and it was just it was tough man it was a hard little period for me to like try to readjust and and pick myself up and it was so funny looking back on it because I felt like you know my career was over and blah 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 you know and I was just freaking 22 years old you know I just I was just starting and um anyways a little time went by and I was still working with the management company and they called and they said hey this 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 label, Ashanaki Records, they want to sign you and they want to do a record. And so, great, you know. So, <clears throat> at that period of time, I didn't have a place in Minneapolis, so I was making trips back and forth to make this record with uh, Kevin Bowe. Right, and I remember right. specifically staying at your house. Yeah, man. And during that whole period of time, which was great. And so I made this record with Double Trouble. Um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd guest appeared on it. It came out in 2004. And I hit the road tour in that. And... Um, you know, it was another awesome experience playing clubs all over the country, but it was also a tough experience. It was, you know, was going out as a four piece band. Um, my family was helping kind of bankroll us being able to go to this tour. And it got to a certain point where it was like, I was losing 500 bucks before I stepped on stage every night. So God, that man. was a losing you know, proposition that wasn't working. And so uh, we pushed that on through the album came out, I believe, in the fall of 04. And I kind of toured it as much as I could through the summer of 05 and then we just were like look we can't I can't do this anymore I'm like thousands of dollars in debt and and you know at that time it was just <clears throat> kind of just didn't work out so it was a one album deal with Shaunaki they dropped me from the label and uh, of course the booking agent bailed and you know then final thing was management was like okay well we we, we aren't gonna we can't represent you anymore and and by the way We've spent $70,000 on you, so we need you to um, write us a check, pay us back for all the money we've invested in you. And I was then 24 going, what do I do now, you know? Right. So moved back home, you know, obviously that stuff smoothed over and worked itself out. And I have a great relationship with with my management now. And, 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 you know, hey, it is what it is. But they they had invested a lot of money in in me, and I didn't have the money to pay them back. Right. But, uh Moved back home, kind of picked up the pieces, started playing with bands, you know, with musicians that I'd worked with in the past back in Oklahoma and, and recorded two records. And somewhere along the way is when Maggie and I met. You know, I want to say it was probably around. 2003 oh, is when we met. We met in 2003, mm-hmm. kind of during the back and forth mm-hmm. before I moved there. But Did you know that she that she was a, a musician as well? Yes, I did. I did. And uh, had never heard her play because back when I moved back in 05, that's when... Um, I kind of put the band back together of some of the musicians I use and my keyboard player, Jim Robinson. I contacted him and said, hey, man, you know, I'm back. I want, I'd love to have you play keys in my band. And I was doing a show in Norman uh, down by the university at a cool club. And, and he was playing keys. And he said, hey, I'm teaching piano lessons to this girl. And she's really good, man. She's like kind of like Vanessa Carlton meets Michelle Branch. You know, they were real popular at the time. And she's got some great songs and she plays keys and she's just Man, she's only played like at Borders Bookstore and, you know, coffee shops or whatever. Can she open up the show? And I said, sure, why not? Who cares, you know? And so uh, she opened up the show, and that's kind of when we officially met, you mm-hmm. know, and, and got to know each other. And and uh, at the time, Maggie was 17, and I was, I want to say, 20 or 21. So, you know, there was a that, – at that phase of time, you know, the four years is kind of a big deal, you know. Especially sure, sure. during, yeah, yes. 17 to 20. You know, you're 17. still in high school. Yeah. I'm, I'm at drinking age, you know. Yeah. You know, we were obviously, I think there was definitely a, a spark there when we met, but, you know, we were dating other people and, and you know, it wasn't like, hey, this isn't something we can pursue at this time. But, yeah. You know, a few years went by and then later on we started dating and 
The rest is history. Now and that, and now you guys are together. Yeah. yeah. You guys are then, together. Then, you know, of course, I made another record in 2009 or 10 is when my Beauty and the Struggle record came out. Right. And then I kind of had a long period, man, of just, uh, I don't know, life just, it can push you and pull you in different ways. And, and I kind of was feeling the need to, you know, just survive and, and make a living. And I, I kind of was, you know, I kind of, I feel like I kind of lost my, my trajectory as, as, as far as being able to continuously put records out and tour. I just, I was playing locally and I kind of started working as a landman for a while and trying to make, make ends meet doing that. And that just kind of ended up leading me down a road that I didn't really want to go down, but we connected and we were doing a lot of touring and then we moved to LA and we got married in 2011 and then we moved to LA and, you know, we were there for 2012 through 2016, but, you know, believe it or not, that job kind of helped sustain us when we mm-hmm. were living in LA. Sure, so it was yeah. like, sure. You know, everything works out for a reason. You don't see it at the time. You're like, man, why do I have to do this? You know, well, that's that allowed us to go out there. That allowed me to make a record with David Ryan Harris. That allowed us to connect with so many people in L.A. and have such a great four-year chapter of our life and just really helped elevate our songwriting and everything we've done. And then, of course, I made the Light in the Dark record in, in 2017, and that brings us back around to the Imaginaries mm-hmm. kind of being being born in 2018. I know that took a while to get there, but that's the story, man. So that's amazing. But that's amazing because I do. Yes, I do know a lot of that story, but a lot of these people don't. And yeah. it's awesome. And for those of you that I just saw a few people just tune in and, and some guys that I know that are, are heavy on the blue side of things. Yeah. That may or may not know who Shane is. And yeah, he did go out with, with you know, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and B.B. King and, and Buddy Guy and guys yeah. like that, like heavy duty stuff. And Shane is also one of those guys when when I would see Shane, he always had a guitar in his hand <laughs> and he was always practicing. It was always something. And, and he is another one of those guys that I love because he is a gearhead. Uh, like like I am, we're just Absolutely. gear nerds through and Absolutely. through, chasing tone, buying pedals, buying amps, buying oh. guitar. Oh my it's god, it's a never ending search, man. You can see my two rock over here in the corner. Yeah, man. yeah. It's so funny, dude, Ken. Like I, you know, my other hobby is like classic trucks. You know, I love classic right. trucks. It was something that that when I was like ten years old, my grandfather bought me an, a '58 Chevy pickup, and we restored it. We went to Votech Class, fixed it all up. You know, and. And it was just, it, I think it was just the doing that with my grandpa, like it just made me love classic cars even more. And, and before I moved to Minneapolis, I ended up selling that truck and, you know, of course regretted it, you know, having to let it right. go. But, but, um, it was more about the memories of doing it. But since then, you know, I've gotten into, you know, classic cars again, I'm back at home and, and you know, my grandfather unfortunately passed away this past August, I'm so sorry, but man. he, you know, he left me a, a ton of, of old cars and, can't fix them all, but it's funny. I've connect. I connected with Eli from Two Rock through a classic car, wow. and you know, uh, some Instagram posts and this and that, and ended up trading him a 1963 Chevy pickup for two Two Rock amps. Which well, is there you go. You know what I mean? Who does that? No one. You do. And, uh, I do. I do. And, um, and and now we're great friends. You know, over something so like. And I think he actually enjoyed it because it's his hobby as well. Like it's his way of like. Hey, I need to go do something completely different just to clear my brain and to fill up the like creation creative tank. Cause like, you know, you get you get seasons of time like where it's like, okay, I've played as much guitar as I can possibly play. I need to go do something else, you know. And that's that's right. why I go do something else to fill up the tank for for fresh new ideas. And so we just kind of bonded over that. But yeah, I love gear, I love amps, I love vintage gear. I mean, 
I've got my brand new pedal board in the other room. We'll, we'll have to dive into that one. Yeah, you, yeah, you showed me a picture of that thing, yeah. and I was like. It's crazy, man. It's really cool, and uh, I love that stuff. It obviously doesn't make you a better musician, but it sure is a lot of fun to, to work with. Oh, it's with. a blast, man. It's it so much you, fun. It gives you all the tonal palettes at your at your feet whenever you need them. And right. And I it's wanted to, you know, I wanted to build a great studio board because we're always working on stuff where it's not always just my thing. It, it could be a film and TV project, and I never right. know when I'm going to need a crazy reverb sound or a you know octave sound or I want to have it all at my feet so I was just you know I was I was trying to tell my wife too I was like you know this is the one thing right now that I have yeah that keeps me sane absolutely because I'm not playing I'm not out doing the thing I'm recording here and there and and when I'm not doing that and I'm not taking care of the kiddo I'm like down here just trying to 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 get some tones happening totally and And it's so much fun it's so much fun what 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 are your hobbies Maggie I want to know that too though what are your hobbies if he's doing the cars and 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 guitars thing I am baking and cooking love it yes um I I've been gluten-free for like five years now, and at first I didn't know what I could eat, and it was really hard for me, and um, I found out I was allergic to it, to gluten, and so I had to cut it out, and so I decided, okay, I'm going to start finding recipes and um, just trying to make things that I thought I couldn't eat anymore, you know, just in new and different ways, and so um, I love... I love to try new recipes for dinner, and also, um, you know, I like to make some cookies and different things like that every once in a while. Some some approved donuts in the oven and <laughs> different things like that. I so love it. No, it's that's It's a creative fantastic. thing for me. Um, yeah, I love absolutely. It. So it's fun. As Shane is is going over there, and I definitely got to get you guys uh, into some some new music or, or some some music, but. As you were saying that, right? Yeah. So there's this question that I've been asking my guests a lot, right? And and, and I it was really crazy because there was this one show that I had done, and after I had done it, I I, I must I got bombed with with you know questions, uh, emails, messages. So you guys have done you know the college tours, and you guys have toured around. Mm-hmm. The question that these people had, all of them were like total foodie questions right so it's like if you guys are touring where is it that you guys like there's like a must stop like like where do you guys go is there like a like if you're out in you know gosh uh dallas texas you have to stop at yeah such if we're such. in dallas texas we go it's your piece of to place. fireside, fireside pies, pies baby. <laughs> Because they have these amazing gluten-free pizzas. They also have this really great pineapple tuaka oh, yeah. shot, which it's <laughs> the, the only place I've ever had it at. And we just found out about it through a friend, and it's incredible. It's really good. We definitely have places that we love. I mean, I can everywhere. eat unhealthy, and Maggie can eat as healthy as she wants. So it's great. <laughs> it works out and, well. and this guy still looks the same all the time, which is so I damn it, brother. I hide it. <laughs> but no, one thing I was actually going to tell you, uh, which is why I disappeared for a second. Um, the past two years, um, my stepdad, Jim, who is ha- he was a keyboard player who introduced Maggie and I. This is how we met. Um, about seven years ago, he started building pedals. And this is a yes. pedal that we have been working on for two years. I don't know if you kind of knew about it. You might have seen me post a few things, but I haven't really gone all out on social media about it yet because we plan on doing a pretty big launch this fall. You and showed it to me at NAMM. Our pedal company is called Western Lund. and I did. That's right. I showed you at NAMM. Um, since Nam, this thing has gone through many iterations before finally 
being done, but luckily we're working with um, with Cusack out of uh, Michigan, Holland. Absolutely, Michigan. yeah. And uh, John is doing our uh, our circuit board design for the pedal. And uh, here's our cool box. We got boxes. Like we got we got a couple of prototypes already. Oh, and dude. I'll definitely be sending you one of these soon. Yeah. So these up to the market, <laughs> but. It's a really great drive pedal. It's a very natural style drive pedal. It kind of has the, it covers anything from the dumbbell sounds to very clean overdrives, like as, as a boost sound to some, it can get into some some TS, Tube Screamer kind of tones. It's a very, very organic, usable drive pedal. I think you'll love it. So, Man, I can't wait. Yeah, I man. I can't wait. Let's hear some music, man. Let's hear some music. Let's keep, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on going for sure. Uh, everybody, this is the Imaginaries. I hope that you are enjoying this. We're going to keep on talking with them right after this. Shane Henry, Maggie McClure, the Imaginaries, my friends. Let's do, uh, let's do, let's do, um, let's do Blue Sky. We just released a new music video for this one. I'm going to see if I can play these farmer foot drums. Sky. 
Man, what a great song. You guys are just, this is fantastic. Thank you. Y'all got to check out their music, everybody. So this is a self-titled record, yes? Self-titled, yeah. Okay. You guys must go check this out. I've been telling... You know, everybody that comes on here, it's great to stream. It's wonderful to stream. And if you guys like it, which I think that y'all are going to love it. I love it. I personally love it. If you guys love it that much, download it. Go download it. Go get them the money, you know, or they can send you a physical copy. And, uh, you know, they can tell you about how to do that. But I'll tell you, it is such a great record. It is so well done. All the songs are fantastic. There's something for everybody. You guys yeah. did an amazing, amazing job with it. Thank you so much. What What was it like? What's it like, I guess, to release something during this crazy time? Man, it, it, well, it's so crazy because we haven't even really got into the kind of the release strategy that happened with this record. So this record was recorded in the fall of 18. Right. The plan was to release this record in the fall of 19, okay? Um, and we were in the studio just finishing up some of the Kickstarter uh, uh, specific songs, and my side was hurting all day long, and I was like, what, what's going on, you know? And right. um, that night, I was like, I'm, I need you to take me to the hospital. And so Maggie rushed me to the local hospital, and they had to take my appendix out. It was like, uh, like it was literally rupturing. Oh, my gosh. And so within two hours of getting there, I was going under the knife for a surgery, which this totally blindsided us, you know. I mean, I never had any health issues, and we certainly had never had to deal with anything like that. And so it just completely, like, rocked our whole entire game plan for releasing this record. And this record just had to go, boom, set on the shelf, because I went through this horrible surgery. I got really, really deeply sick two weeks after the surgery. Um, the wound was infected. It was just awful, awful, awful. I, will, I, I can't even begin to explain in words the pain that I went through, and I would never want anyone to have to experience what I experienced. But it was about a four-month recovery. And even after four months, I kid you not, I'm still to this day having issues uh, from that surgery. And um, it it just took so long to get my strength back. So we knew that, like, hey, you know, you got to kind of listen to the signs of, of, uh, you know, that, that that God gives you, you know. And it was like, hey, this isn't the right time to release this record. It's a time to reset you know and that's what Mm -hmm. we did we just i just focused on getting well and i told maggie like during that whole phase i was like you know it'd be really cool because you know we've released holiday music which is kind of the first thing that we did as a as a a team just under our own names Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of a fun project something fun to do every year that we just did for fun i was like it'd be cool to like send our stuff to some to some artists that are touring and maybe try to get on like a christmas tour or something so we did that, and she did that. She like took it and ran with it. I mean, she is a you know, she's like, she's the go getter. You weren't an artist. You you should start the freaking management company. You'd be like managing every great artist on the world because you're such a go getter at that, and you're good Thank at it. Thank you. But she went after Ryan Setzer's manager, sent him a great email, a cold email for crying out loud. Get a call <laughs> back. Get a call back. Um, and it was so crazy. It was like they like, hey, we listen to your record. We like it. Can we can we have set up a call? We set up a call, and they were like, they literally offered us the tour on the phone. They said, hey, we love your record. Think you'd be great for opening for Brian Setzer on his Holiday Rocks Christmas tour. And this was in the, uh, this was the Christmas of 2019. And uh, 
So we kind of came out of that season of me being sick to like, okay, we're going to do this Christmas tour. And we had to get we, this ready. We had to get this ready. We also kind of had recorded a couple new Christmas songs. We had uh, some other stuff, you know, that was released as a Shane and Maggie. We just kind of rebranded it, put it out, put it all together as a new album, as an imaginary holiday CD. We were ready for this tour. And then two days before the first date, which happened to be in Minneapolis, um, we got a call from management that it was being canceled because Brian couldn't perform because of tinnitus. So it was like, oh, my gosh, that's hit number two. And, I mean, this whole record has been like, dude, I kid you not, it's been a exercise of, like, overcoming <laughs> gigantic obstacles and yeah. still pushing through because the doors have just been slammed in our face. So, anyways, that tour got canceled. We had a garage full of merchandise. We only, we Not only had we suffered the financial burden of my surgery and what that did, but we then come out of that and had the financial burden of printing about 20 grand worth of merch that <laughs> right. was going nowhere. Right. in our garage. So just oh, another man. major hit. But we, we picked ourselves up. We made the most of it. We booked a bunch of holiday Christmas parties, you know, got moved some of that merch down the road, made the most of that season. And then we said, okay, well, we're going to get we, – we already had a publicist on board. We, we'd been releasing music videos to kind of, like, help build momentum. the brand and the momentum. And we said, okay, we're going to try to release this record in April of 2020. And that was the plan, you know. And – then COVID came. And it was like March came, and it was like we're not going to go do a radio campaign. We're not paying a publicist. We're not paying, you know, uh, so you know all the social. We had everything set up. We had a full team set up. We're like we've got to scale this back. So what we decided to do for twenty was to do a lot of live streams, um, continue to release music videos. We released four total music and videos and a single at a time. Yep, and just kind of try to slowly build this thing, mm -hmm. and then I. Feel like we just are to the point now where this it, we're getting so far away from having recorded this record that we have to release it yeah. because we have so much other music that's that's ready to go, and uh, not that it changes how 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 our heart connects to this music, but it just felt like it was time to release it. You know, I feel like with the vaccines here, um, we're 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 coming down in numbers. I think it's time for people to hear something positive. I think it's it, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time really to release music now and. We're making the most of it, man. We we uh, you know the album just dropped last week. We've already got some pretty good numbers on Spotify with our plays, and we're just pushing forward. You know the best good we know how to do. And yeah, uh, good for you. Yeah, that? I'm just really you know it, it's hard when you're an artist of any caliber. I'm sure, but especially for independent musicians, it's like you know we work so hard and for so long Gosh. on a project and for us you know this has been a long time well, in the and it's making. also a debut album which yeah. i think is really key to get that you have to make a debut album it, it, it's almost like we're starting over in a sense because this is a new band and yeah. people don't know it's not our names aren't on it so we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything right so best our ability to build a fan base mm -hmm. you know yeah and so we i mean i'm just really proud of us for I, we were forced to take the time, but during all of that time, we were able to really get a game plan together of what we wanted to happen with this. And yeah. so I think for me personally, and I don't know how you feel, but um, even though it's been this weird, strange COVID season and live shows aren't happening like normal, um, they're starting to pick up. Outdoor shows are starting to come up. We just got a request today for an outdoor show for June. Um, but... Uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> you were just talking about the, the album release. I mean, we I was just saying, yeah, videos. it's w even with all of COVID and everything that's happened, I really feel like we've done every single thing we can mm -hmm. to promote this and, you know, give it our all. And um, 
it's it's a weird thing after a release. It's like now what? But right. for us this time, we have so much coming up. It's well, like it's a, this it's is just the the beginning of the snowball. I mean, do you feel like sometimes like you you go through that season where you just try so freaking hard? You try, 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 and then you don't feel like anything's happening. Well, we're kind of going into a season, and it's funny. We were at dinner the other night talking about this. And it's the first time that I can remember in years that, like, it feels like we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And things are like, you know, genuinely opportunities are coming our way. We just got a really cool opportunity to write a song this week, which we got a phone call on. What was it? Was it Monday? Monday. It was mm-hmm. Monday to write a song for a, a movie. And so cool, you know, these op- these connections from L.A. are coming back around, you know. Beautiful. You know, years later, and we're writing a great song that's going to be featured in a film. And it's going to be a very featured placement, and it's specific for this movie, and they love it. And it's just going to be so cool for the Imaginaries, because when this comes out, it's going to point back to our other music, and it's going to be a way for us to connect with new yes. listeners. And so that, that you know, things like that are coming out, and, and then we've got another music movie project that we're working on that is going to come, you know, uh, it's going to start filming in Oklahoma in May, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Which we, we haven't really, really announced, we haven't announced yet. announced it yet. We can't really give out details on it, but it's another really cool thing. So mm-hmm. we have kind of some other projects in the works, and all of those are going to help point people towards the direction of checking out the Imaginaries music. So yeah. it's exciting. Man, it well, <coughs> the record is fantastic. Let's hear one more tune, yeah. and we'll uh, chat just a little bit more, and we'll say our goodbyes, man. Yeah. So Everybody, well. this is the Imaginaries. Yeah.
jazz chord yeah oh man i love it thank you yeah so this album is fantastic we'll talk about that in just a little bit so the last two questions i have for you one of them i'll ask you guys just just both like what's what are you listening to right now what am i listening to you want to start off with that um uh well honestly i've been listening to a some playlists I've put together of songs that are reminiscent of the songs that we're having to do right now for this movie project, which are um, a little bit more uh, country-leaning. I've, I've been listening to, we, we love Alison Krauss and Robert Plant. There's a lot of that, that going on. That record is so good. That record is amazing. And honestly, I come back to that a lot. And that that record influenced what we're what we're doing is the Imaginaries. Yeah, I have some I can add to, yeah. to mine that I've been listening to heavily. Um, Joey Landreth, Hindsight's a great He's record. Amazing. So good. Um, if you haven't heard that record, check it out. Um, I've been checking out, uh, and I've been to this, this guy for a long time, but he just released a new project, Bernhoft. you got to check out Bernhoft if you don't yeah. know who Bernhoft is. Incredible Norwegian soul artist. Um, who else? Oh, Rival Sons. I've been listening to Rival Sons a lot. Sure. I'm, I'm working on a little EP of my own solo stuff. And it is so far beyond opposite of what we're doing right now. It's hilarious, but it's fuzz guitars and it's very like riff rock, and you're gonna love it. So I love it, man. Yeah, man. That's, that's so. That's all right, so here it is. I'll go. I'll start with Maggie first. Okay. Top three Desert Island records Ooh. that kind of define you, and they're those ones that you're just gonna have. Top three. Oh man. That's really hard. Do you want to work on it while I do mine? Um, well, I think I already kind of know You kind of already know yours? I mean, it's hard to narrow down to three, uh, but with all the blues influence that I've had in my life, um, and it's really hard to pick because I love so many, but probably B.B. King, Live at the Regal, is one of the best blues sure. uh, records of all time, and that would probably be one of mine. Um, and then I, it's like I go different directions because so much music has influenced me, but... Um, I'd probably have to say uh, Jeff Buckley, Grace, is probably another one of my uh, all-time favorite records of all time. Um, and then that third one is just tough because, but I think it, for me, I think it just has to be because of the time when I uh, got was so influenced to get into music was hearing Tom Petty on the Wildflowers tour. Wow. And so that I was like 12, 11 or 12. And so it would be the Tom Petty's Wildflowers record. So that would probably be my top three. And if I could add another one or two, I'd probably put, you know, uh, Hendrix, uh, be Axis Bold as Love for me. And then maybe like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Texas Flood, you know. Wow. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'd probably go back to some albums that I, I started out listening to and being obsessed with. If you're going to be stranded on an island from the end of your life, you know, <laughs> maybe go back to the music that started your love of music. Um, I think uh, I love beautiful um, Carol King, the album. Is that, that's not the name of the album, I think though. It's Tapestry. It's ta tapestry, tapestry is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I love that album. Um, I think 
there's a Sarah McLaughlin album called Afterglow that I was obsessed sure. with. So probably that. And maybe something newer, like, that I still was pretty obsessed with when it first came out. Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass you on this podcast, but you haven't mentioned your favorite band, Hanson. My favorite band, Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> she loves Hanson, dude. I, I such love Hanson. What's wrong with that? It's okay. They're great. I like Hanson, too. Really, yeah, they're she cool. I love Hanson. put a Hanson record in there. Maybe I will. I think take, it back to <laughs> take it back to Umbop. Well, it's so funny because uh, Ken, like, through... Through the years of living in L.A., uh, I became good friends with Zane and, and Reeve Carney. Right, right. And they played the Tulsa, I don't know, it was like called D-Fest, like in 2009 or 10. And we went to hang out with them and hear them. And they, they were good friends with Hanson. And so, like, it was so funny. We were hanging out with them afterwards, and, like, Hanson was there. And Maggie was, like, so hilarious because she was the quietest <laughs> mouse so in the quiet. room. She could not say a word. She was just uh, like so <laughs> flipping starstruck. It was like it. all it took was those three boys just do I her in, you know. Oh, well, man. I first saw them when I was eight. That's yeah, I mean it's it's totally cool. And it was like so cool to see kids like playing sure. a show. Right. Like, oh. Yeah. And then ever since, I've been a fan. It's it. true. It. It's God, great. and the it degrees of separation are just ridiculous. I know. I, mean, I know. And now we have so funny. Yeah, now we know like, them pretty yeah, well. Now we we know them yeah. from, from Reeve and Zane and also our bass player from L.A., Andrew Peruzzi. Right. He moved all the way to Tulsa to be the bass player, like join their band. So he actually moved from L.A. to, to uh, Tulsa. He played on my Light in the Dark record. And oh, my goodness. Yeah, so now it's like we know them. We know them, you know. <laughs> They know who we are. We don't know them like best. Yeah. Small yeah. world, yeah. though, man. Small, Small world. world. And I, w I would also consider, like, a soundtrack album. I was, yeah. like, super heavy into soundtracks as a kid and was teenager. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Somewhere Over the Rainbow is amazing. Oh, um, but, like, movies, like, That Thing You Do, I, oh, like, man. loved that Such soundtrack a so that much. That's a cool <laughs> soundtrack, right? That's, Dude, like, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hey, wasn't the guy that wrote a bunch of that stuff from Minneapolis? I don't know who actually wrote all that stuff. I'd have to look that up after this. But was it was it Dan Wilson? I don't remember. I, I want to say it was somebody like that. I, I'm 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 curious now. But the songwriting on that record was so killer. Yeah. Yeah. They totally obsessed. nailed that. They nailed that Beatlesy vibe. You know. Totally. Right. Right. Wow, yes. man. Wow. Well, where can people find you? So we're on we're on all the things. Yeah. Imaginary's band. Imaginary's band. Imaginary'sband.com is our website. And, and where you can get CDs as well. Physical CDs on there, shirts, all the good stuff, bracelets. We have tons of merch actually. And uh, T shirts, all we were stuff. we were actually smart, dude. We didn't get any like tour specific merch besides good. a poster. <laughs> so we can still sell all this merch for the next ten years. And we know? still good. have Brian Setzer posters if you want one. We do. <laughs> Funny. That's funny. And it's crazy, like all the dates that I we were supposed it. to do but didn't get to do. But I remember talking to you about that and just yeah. going, "Oh my god, that it just." just uh, I, I, for lack of better words, man, it was just like a kick in the nuts. No, I mean, yeah, no, we were I'm out sure. Of where we really needed something cool to happen, and and you know, it, I'll I'll never forget because we were driving in the Sprinter van that we had rented from Nashville, actually from Dolly Parton's manager, which we know really well. His name is Danny Nozell. He lo he rented us a Sprinter van. And uh, we were taking it with a tour manager that we connected with through Danny to go with us on this tour. And we were already on the road. And, you know, like when a little kid hurts themselves and you see the look on their face, like <laughs> before the before the sound comes out. Like, yes. you know that it's getting ready to be really bad because they fell and they're, they're they're getting ready to just start screaming. I look over at Maggie and it was like a similar thing. It was oh. like the look on her face. 
she actually saw the news of the tour getting canceled from a Twitter post. Oh my god! And then the actual phone call came in a few minutes after that. Right. It was like that kind of situation because we've worked so hard, you know, to get an opportunity, and you know how hard it is to get an opportunity like that. It's really, really difficult. And we were really ready, like, and we were really. We were. I think we had it. We had a great show worked up, and we were were ready to kick butt. And it really did feel like someone was just like a super gut punch, and then the rug pulled out at the same time. But honestly, like, I think that if touring does go back, and if Brian does do the tour this year which hopefully he can tour. I don't even know like how, what his condition is, but I think that they'll, you know, I think they'll, they'll go, you know what, let's, let's have Demandrian do this. So, um, we know how bad it sucked for them to lose the tour, not once, but twice. Yeah. Right. COVID. He couldn't yeah. tour because of freaking tinnitus. And then it was crazy. Cause I ran into Scott, his manager at NAM when I saw you last in 2020 right. before the, before the pandemic, know, pandemic over. hit over. And Scott was like, yeah, it's looking like things are actually going to get better. We're going to try to do a tour in 2020. And of course, <laughs> couldn't do it because <laughs> of COVID. I mean, so I'm hoping Ugh. third time's a charm, baby. Let's yeah. hope that's the case, man. Everybody go check out the Imaginaries on all their socials and their website. Go listen to this record. There's something for everybody on it. You know, Shane has that whole blues side and Maggie has that Again, forgive me, that whole Dolly Parton kind of <laughs> beautiful voice, yeah. man. And the songs all work. This, as of right now, is probably my favorite record of the year. Thank you, man. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, That's this awesome. is, Thank it's you. that good. It's Thank that you, good. The songs, the writing, the voices. I love it. And I'm sure that you guys are going to love it. So go check them out. Um, I think that's probably going to be about it. Um, so, man, thank you all for hanging. Yeah, all right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank our special guests this week, Miss Maggie McClure, Mr. Shane Henry, together known as The Imaginaries. I can't stress this enough, my friends. Go pick up that record. Go listen to it. Go stream it. Go download it. Go check it out. It really is that good. I cannot say that enough. I also can't tell you enough to go check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash kvapproach. You guys pick your own price. There are no tiers. Our patrons are welcome to the exclusive content, exclusive merchandise, all that the Patreon has to offer. And it is very, very cool. So go check it out, www.patreon.com slash kvapproach. It really does help keep this show going. It keeps these guests coming in, and hopefully we can keep on doing this for a long, long time. Well, there you have it, my friends. Until the next time, be good to each other. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.